We hope that this message encourages you today. For more information about us, please visit myfreedom.church. I want to confess something to you. Now, if you've seen a little video that I posted online uh, a week or so ago, you'll know this story, but it's worth repeating. My confession is worth repeating. So just before the kids broke up from school... Um, as always, we, we took them to we take them to school every morning and, and every night. We don't make them walk. And um, as I was coming back from dropping uh, Noah and Neve off um, at their school, I, I, I set off down on Otley Road towards Shire Oak School, which is behind the Arndale Centre in Headingley. Anybody know it? Okay, so, so you know that there's kind of two lanes, it goes into two lanes, doesn't it? When you come up to the traffic lights and you can, you can either go forward or left or you can go forward or right, which can cause some confusion at times with the traffic lights and the way that they're kind of designed. But nevertheless, it, there's always a bit of a congestion there on a morning anyway. And as you come onto those traffic lights, it just gets worse. And this particular morning, I mean, we were running time-wise, we were running okay with, with uh, Neve and Noah. Uh, but then right at the end of kind of Otley Road, where near, nearest the roundabout, the, the traffic was pretty much crawling. I thought, oh dear, this, this isn't going to be isn't going to be good. We were on time, but I don't think we're going to be good anymore. But you know, you, the radio's on, you're listening, you're, you're singing your tunes or whatever. Uh, and I thought we'll get there when we get there. Um, and as we were coming up to the traffic lights, I'd, I'd noticed actually from from far away that the the traffic started going into one lane. I thought, ah. Well, there's the cause of the issue. For some reason, the traffic is being forced into one lane rather than using the two lanes like it normally would. And as I got closer, I spotted the culprit. It was a white van man. Anybody drive a white van in here? He's not here. Les isn't here this morning. Hey, Emily does. Okay, so uh, white van persons, it doesn't have the same ring, does it? Um, anyway, it's a white van man, and it, and it was a delivery man as well, so it makes it even worse. And um, uh, no delivery people, excellent. Uh, and, and you can tell what was happening, what I'm trying to convey here is that my, my mind was going somewhere not very Christ-like. Because I was going to be late, and Nathaniel was going to be late, and, and, and all that kind of gubbins. And, and it was all because of this white delivery van with his blinkers on. You know, like sometimes some people think if they put their blinkers on, that makes things they can park anywhere. It's like their free pass to park wherever they like. I've got my blinkers on, so it's okay. Well, I want to tell you right now, I want to tell you, world, it's not still illegal. doesn't matter if you have your blinkers on. So he had his blinkers on. Ah, he's making a delivery. He's making a delivery, and he's making us all late. My heart wasn't good. It's my confession to you. I'm getting closer, and I'm getting, oh, you know, oh, this isn't, this isn't good. He's got his blinkers on. He's thinking of delivery. He doesn't care. He's selfish. He's a selfish man. I was listening to the radio this morning, and uh, there was, uh, Glenn Barrett was giving an example of sometimes when we, we, we fail to turn the other cheek. You know, when Jesus says, you know, if someone, offends, someone slaps you, give him your other cheek. You know, in other words, don't, don't respond in kind. Um, uh, uh, and, and he gave the example like when we're driving and somebody cuts us up, uh, do we respond in kind or do we, do we turn the other cheek? Is it, well, well, I wasn't turning the other cheek. Oh, no. I was shouting out of the window in a whisperily angry voice that wasn't in his direction. Um, I, wasn't, I was angry. I wasn't, this isn't cool. 
This isn't cool. I was calm but angry, if you know what I mean. And I'm, I'm, so, so eventually, eventually I get into this lane and I'm, I'm going forward and, and I'm creeping up and I'm, oh, I'm going to give him the dirtiest of looks. Oh, tell you what, if looks could kill, he's going to get that look. Obviously I wasn't. I was going to look this way um, and forward because um, I'm not that confrontational. And um, I, 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 as I begin to overtake him, I, I notice, slowly begin to overtake him, I notice something. His, 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 um, his bonnet was up. Oh dear. And as I, as I, as I then began to manoeuvre around him, I noticed the, the delivery man sitting on the wall looking at his phone. So what had happened? Well, it's quite obvious. He'd broken down, hadn't he? He wasn't making a delivery. He wasn't doing all those things that I accused him of. He'd broken down. And yet my heart had gone from... You know, it had gone to a place that wasn't cool. What had I done then? What, what had I obviously done? I, I had not read the whole context of the situation. I'd seen one aspect of what was happening, and I'd made all sorts of judgments about the, the, the mind and the spirit and the heart of the person that was driving that van, and I was condemning them to a degree. And it taught me another... It taught me, I brought my golden rule, which is always, always figure out the context. But in that particular point, I, 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 I had taken things out of context and I was making massive assumptions about this guy. So, so that's my confession to you, that um, I, I did that and it, and it wasn't cool. And then, you, do you know what? God, God's forgiven me. It's all good. Uh, uh, and what have you. And obviously, I, 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 I prayed for the man as I went past. And before you ask, I, I, I couldn't stop to help him uh, for several reasons. Firstly, I was running late, as I'd already said. Uh, secondly, I know diddly squat about cars, other than how to switch them on and open the doors and put the windows down. I don't know any of that. Uh, and and he, he was clearly, he was waiting. He was waiting to be kind of rescued and what have you. You'd have thought delivery companies would have that. So I couldn't stop before you judge me to say, why didn't you, why didn't you help him? All right. Um, and, and here's the thing. Here's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to try and put it within this kind of container. It's we... we do the similar thing when it comes to the Bible. We do a similar thing when it comes to the Bible. Sometimes we find passages of Scripture that are used quite regularly out of context. We just, we just pull a verse out of its, its, its context, its chapter, and its book. Um, and, and sometimes that leads to, to misunderstanding from maybe even from one Christian to another or, or from somebody who doesn't believe or, or whatever to, to somebody who's a theologian and they, and they love it. Um, and, but, but ultimately what it does is it can sometimes lead to um, taking us on a little journey away from God's truth when we start pulling one scripture to back up our argument. You know, that, that we make a fatal flaw when we think, when, when we, we take a position then we go looking for backup from scripture because you'll find it. You'll find it. Instead of taking Scripture first and seeing where it says, we, we can sometimes make that mistake, and we do it a lot. We, we go, this is my opinion. I'm going to go look for what the Bible says about it. I'm going to go look and see what the Word of God says about my particular viewpoint. And we, we often find it. And sometimes, at the most disastrous end, we can change the very nature of the Gospel itself, the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, not always. I'm going to say not always. 
I don't want us never to quote a single verse. We, we do do it a lot. Um, uh, and we can, we, can, we can take some out of context, and it doesn't mean that the verse is, is being misused at all. In fact, um, sometimes uh, one verse taken, and I'll, I'll give you an example in, in a little while, we take out of context, actually sums up uh, the whole of the, the chapter, and indeed sometimes even the book. Um, but I, I, think, I think many, many more verses that we see pulled out of where they normally live uh, need, need a bigger consideration of their context. If you agree, you can say, you can say yeah, that's right. Yeah, thank you. Um, to, to, to be properly interpreted and, and applied. So um, if, 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 we, we, if we take a single verse out of context, uh, we, we, like I say, we, we can make it mean something that it actually, actually doesn't mean. And, and that's a dishonest use of, of any particular verse that you're thinking about. Um, but if, but if, if it leaves it intact, um, uh, uh, and if, sorry, if it leaves the, the original meaning and respect to that passage, then it's, it's, a good, it's good to quote that verse. Um, I, I want to give you then just some examples, just a few examples of where we might pull uh, a verse out of context and change what it's, it's really saying. So Jesus' words in Luke 12, 19 says this. This is Jesus saying this. He says this. So you have many good things stored up. You don't have to look it up, guys. You have many good things stored up, enough for many years. Rest, relax, eat and drink merry, celebrate continuously. Oh, that's awesome. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool that Jesus is telling us to do what? He's telling us to eat, drink, and be merry. Jesus is awesome, isn't he? So what are we doing here, folks? We should be at home eating, drinking, and being merry. Forget waiting for heaven to drink the wine. We just drink more of it right now, right here. All right, my son's favorite tipple is Prosecco. Don't ask me how I know that or why it is, but it is. He's always asking us to get in some Prosecco because we let him try the tiniest bit on New Year's Eve once and he can't forget the bubbles. All right, so, you know, but that's okay, isn't it? Because Jesus is saying, eat, drink, and be merry. It says so in Luke 12, 19. We can do that, can't we? That's, surely that's Jesus' philosophy of life, isn't it? Eat, drink, and be merry. We, we, can, we can do it. No, we can't. No, we can't do that. We can't do that because what are we doing? We're taking it out of context. It's actually, that's actually within a parable. And it's actually teaching the exact opposite of what those words suggest. So if you want to go away and look at Luke 12, round about verse 19, you can begin to understand what I'm saying. But as a storyteller here in this verse, in this bigger uh, uh, section, this bigger, bigger part of the chapter, um, Jesus is putting words into the mouth, uh, mouth of a foolish rich man. Uh, a person who actually actually receives judgment from God for his hedonistic lifestyle. I love that word, hedonistic. Hedonistic, if you don't know what it means, eat, drinking, and being merry. That's, that's what it means to, to a little degree. So he's actually saying that's not a good thing. But do you see how easy it was? Do you see how easy it was? Eat, drink, and be merry. Let me give you another one while we're there. Let's quote the first, first part of Habakkuk 2, verse 15. Uh, in order to, it was all about alcohol this morning. Uh, don't know why we went there. It started with Alan, I blame him. Um, it's, it's, it's in order uh, uh, to condemn the act of giving someone alcohol. Let's read it. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors. Woe. To him, we should use the word "whoa" a lot more in our conversations. I think not just "whoa," that's cool, but you know, "whoa," watch out there. Let's not give any drink to our neighbours. So, using that bit of 
that bit of verse, we're thinking, we're being told it's wrong to give our neighbor an alcoholic beverage, isn't it? That's what it's saying. But actually, the rest of the verse, the rest of the verse says more than that. I'll, I'll read on. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they're drunk, so that he can gaze upon their naked bonnets. Should be kids in the room. Thankful I'm not reading from the Song of Songs. So that he can gaze on their naked bodies. So what are the sins here? It's actually talking about drunkenness, voyeurism, lust, and sexual exploitation. Sexual <laughs> exploitation. That's what it's talking about. And if you look at the bigger context of Habakkuk 2, verse 15, it's revealing that the giving of, the, a giving of alcohol is actually a metaphor for the national sins of this place called Babylon. Again, go look it up. Go look at Habakkuk 2, 2 verse 15, and, 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 and check it out and, and see what I'm talking about. Learn from what I'm saying this morning for yourself, because I've just taken two things out of context, and you need to go away and read the context to understand exactly what I'm saying, because I could be making all that up, couldn't I? If you didn't know your Bible and you didn't you know, go and read it, what I've just told you could be completely wrong. Jesus could be saying, eat, drink, and be, be merry. And, 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 and Habakkuk could be saying, don't ever give alcohol to your neighbor uh, in any particular way. But it's not. I'm not. But you don't know that unless you go away and read it. Let's give a final example, right? Let's, let's do one more because we're on a roll. In fact, you could just open your Bible anywhere and probably put your finger down and, and pull something out and make it mean something else. But while we're here, let's pick, a, let's pick a common one, one that we all know. We do. We all, we all know it. It's probably printed on T-shirts and mugs. Um, uh, it's probably lots of memes that, that you see on, on, on social media. And we often, we often get this, this particular verse doled out like a doctor handing over a prescription. Take this verse three times a day and you'll feel better in a week. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Should have got a few more nods then. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Do you know what it is? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. There you go. Take that with a full glass of the water. Call me in the morning and you'll feel all better. It's one we use out of context. Because why? Because it's a great verse, isn't it? Isn't it a great verse? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Thank you, Jesus. It makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. How does it make you feel? Does it make you, does it make you feel warm and fuzzy? Yeah? No, it makes me feel kind of, oh, that's nice, isn't it? My heavenly dad's got this. I know what's, he's, he's got it, he's in control. He knows what he's doing. It's okay. Now, here's the thing. As much as I don't want to take the feels out of this verse, I'm going <laughs> to. Because it doesn't really mean what we think it means. Let's, let's back up a little bit. Let's zoom out. All right? Let's, let's take in the whole book of Jeremiah and see 
what the author of this is saying. Well, the author, like any who are worth reading, begins that passage of Scripture by saying these words, writing these words, or saying these words, then they were written down. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Is that you? No. That's 29 verse 4. There you go, I'm taking that out of context, but I'm hoping I'm helping you. The first thing we should notice that this verse, this verse then is being said to countless struggling individuals. So this verse isn't actually talking to one person. It's talking to a whole group of people. This verse is actually talking to a nation. It's talking to a whole nation. The you in verse 11 isn't singular. It's plural. And then if we just look at the preceding verse, just look at the preceding verse, it gives us a promise from God that he'll sort out what he says in verse 11 only after 70 years in exile. 70 years before that promise of any hope and any future comes to pass. So, for I know the plans I have for you, give you hope and a future, but not now, Sarah. Give it 60 years. Now you might be thinking, and Sarah's obviously thinking because she looked weird in her face just then, about any of those verses I just quoted, and especially this one, and you might go, so what? You might go, so what? Even if they're taken out of context, they're still good, right? God does know what's best for us, so what's your problem? <laughs> what's your problem, Mark? Where are you going with it? Well, I think that starts at the heart of it. Just going back a little bit to what I alluded to in the beginning. At best, we need to let the Bible speak to us, not let our own bias speak into the Bible. So the truth of that verse is that it's speaking to a nation, not one person. He's speaking to a particular people. He's speaking in a particular moment in time for a particular reason. And God has a plan for the whole nation of Israel. And if you read on, taking on board further context, we, we find that that promise was fulfilled. Israel was restored for a time. God made the promise and it came to pass. So it's all good. And I understand that even used out of context, that verse can give us hope. I, 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 I get that. God is a God of, of redemption. He really is. He's a God of restoration. He wants to restore his people, redeem his people, just as he wanted Israel to be redeemed. But we can only understand that when we see the bigger picture. We can only ex really explain the meaning of that verse, and this is kind of my point, if we know where it sits. So it sounds good on the surface, and it is good, and I'm sure God does you know, want us to prosper and what have you. But it's, it's more useful if we know where that verse sits in his word. Because when, when the person, when that person that you're about to give them this scriptural medicine to is in a dark place, when they can't see the next metaphorical corner, when they're not feeling that they have a particular future, when they hear that scripture quoted at them, they might not likely believe it. And if they don't see it come to pass, then, then it might undermine any seed of faith that they have growing within them. Uh, if they don't see God moving, if they don't see him fulfilling the promise that, that we've just quoted. 
understanding the context helps us realize if this verse is useful to them at that moment in time. It's called about being sensitive, isn't it? Now, let's move on to something a little bit more positive. Um, I've only got half an hour, guys, so I can't deliberate and go through every single part of that Jeremiah 11. I just want to throw some of those thoughts out there to you, because despite all that I've said, and, and as, indeed, as I said earlier, not all verses become warped when they lift them out of their context. Um, there are instances in which we can use a single verse, or even a single part of it, or even a part of a verse, and, and we still do, do justice to what God is wanting us to say. And in fact, Alan gave a great example of that this morning. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is a good standalone verse. There's no warping, there's no taking it out really out of, out of context because actually within, uh, within John chapter 3, it kind of sums up that whole chapter for us. It says what it is, and it's a simple understanding of the verse by itself leads us to that greater understanding of where it sits in John 3. So to sum up, quoting a single scripture out of context can be fine at times. At other times, it can be a problem. If, if, I, if, we, if we use scripture, but we don't understand the context, then we might give it a different meaning from what that, that bigger passage wants. So whenever we, we hear or read someone using a single verse in isolation, I think it's healthy for us to go ahead and look at that verse within its full context. So I'm not dissing emails that you might get daily, you know, your daily verse. I used to do that for two, three years. I did that. I sent an email out daily with a little passage of scripture and, and some interpretation of that, of that scripture, because it can be encouraging, it can be good. But as maturing believers, we shouldn't, we shouldn't just feed ourselves on, on, on tidbits. As maturing believers, we, we shouldn't just, you know, have a starter without digging into the main course. It's useful for us all to go back and to read. And if you can't read that well, then listen. Get somebody to read it for you. Read the Word of God. Listen, this is what God says about it. This is what God says about it. Uh, I'm just taking a bit of Scripture. There you go. You can go back and check this out yourself. But in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, it says all Scripture is, is God-breathed. And as surely as Christians, we don't want a little of God, do we? So if the whole of Scripture is God-breathed, then I, 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 don't, I, don't want, I don't want just like a passing whisper over my face. I, I want my hair blowing in the wind. Do you know what I mean? I, I want him blowing on me through his word. I, and, and, and if scripture is God breathed, then I want to know more about it. I want to read it, all of it, in context to help me understand it. A lot of the issues and the, and the, and the things we've got going on today with some hot-button issues that as, as the church we're having to face, 
Um, I don't need to spell out what those are. Think of what your most popular hot button issue is. If it, and you often find within arguments back and forth, people are just pulling out scripture here, pulling out scripture here, pulling out scripture here, and not understanding the whole of the context, not just of the chapter, not just of the verse or the chapter of the book, but the whole of the Bible. What is God saying from beginning to end? Where is Jesus in it from beginning to end? That's what we need to be doing because the whole of Scripture is God-breathed. And we don't just want a little bit of it. We don't just want to hear what another human being says about it. All your YouTube clips, all your podcasts, all your speakers, including me that stands up on a Sunday morning, you shouldn't just want to hear about what the Bible says through my personal bias and interpretation. I do my best to be as open as I can, but we all have biases. We all bring our own interpretation upon what the Scripture is saying because you are reading an interpretation anyway. The New Living Translation, the New International Version, the Message, the Passion, the Loving, the New Bible for next year, whatever it might be called, is through an individual or more, hopefully, a group of individuals' interpretation of what Scripture is, but they're bringing their particular stance to it. So I want to know what the Bible's saying for myself. I want to dine on the main course. I don't want to stick with the, with the hors d'oeuvres. And as a maturing Christian, somebody who wants to grow in maturity in Christ, and I need to understand what his word says. And we should all desire and want that. So what do you need to do about it? Well, listen. We, the days, get, the days have, been, have, been, have been longer, haven't they? They've been lovely. We've had some lovely... Lovely summer days. We had a, a few weeks of torrential rain for a bit, but now we're back to the summer, lovely sunny days. So why not, you know, go outside? Go sit in a park. Take your Bible. Take some time. Get some time with God. Read his word. Don't get distracted from other things and soak yourselves in it. Soak yourself. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. Whether you've been a Christian for two minutes or a lot longer. Soak yourselves in his word afresh. Make a decision today to not relegate God's word to a daily or even a weekly email. And make a decision not to just relegate somebody, the responsibility that you have of understanding God's word onto somebody else to explain it to you. Take it on board yourself. Because wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't, imagine what it would be like if we, if we honestly all did that. If the church, not just our church, the church did that. Everybody who calls themselves Christians. Imagine, we, if, if we knew more of God's word. Here's the thing, right? When I, in the first few years of being a Christian, I didn't really read God's word. I hear stories where people go, I devoured the whole of the New Testament in hours, nay, minutes, nay, seconds. I digitally downloaded it into my brain when I became a Christian. Um, I didn't. It took me a long time to get into it. I didn't understand it. I struggle with Shakespeare. Right? I, I, and, and now I'm going to read something that's thousands of years old. You know, I struggled a lot to get into the Bible for the first few years of, of being a Christian. And what that leads me, what the way that led me was into a place of not being very bold in my faith. I could be all enthusiastic about my newfound faith, but could I back it up with anything? So somebody, somebody you know, it's like that, thing where, uh, you know, how watertight is your argument, you know, because people will find where the leaky points are. And if you don't know your scripture, if you don't know the word of God, then, then people will quickly find you out. 
And when you, you know, somebody like me who has an apologetic bent, who likes to kind of bring an apologetic kind of defense of my faith, as Paul says in, 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 in um, sorry, Peter says, I think it's 315. Um, there you go, another verse. Uh, you know, I, I need to know what I'm saying. I need to understand it. I need to, I need to have a grasp of it. And imagine then if we, if we did read all our, our Bibles more regularly and we, we tried to understand the bigger context, we, it, would read to, it, would, it would lead to boldness. It would lead to us being more bold in, in what we say and how we say it. Not arrogance, not arrogance, just boldness, just bravery in facing the world with the Word of God because we believe it to be true. Because you know more of, more of Jesus through the knowledge and the personal revelation that you get from reading His Word. And you'll be able to approach people in both sharing the good news of Jesus and you'll be more, much more successful in being able to, to help with that commandment of making disciples of all nations if we understood what his word says. As a charismatic church, we, 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 we acknowledge we have the spirit of God working in us and through us. Um, we're, not, we're not particularly dry. We're not, you know... Um, we don't have a set kind of liturgy that we do and, and what have you. For some people, that's great and that fulfills a thing. But as a charismatic church, it's, it's, it's all about sometimes about the Shabbat Abadus and the falling down and the carpet time and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm not dissing that because that's good because that's the power of God moving through you. But we need to balance that with, with understanding his word. Understanding his word. And now I just want to go off script a little bit because I was thinking about this yesterday. I think we can apply this, this verse, chapter, and book thing to everything else going on in our lives. We can use that metaphor for when we meet somebody new. And when you meet somebody new, you read their verse immediately. You get that one shot of who they are immediately. We, um, um, and we can quickly make judgment calls on who they are, how they run their life, what kind of things they're into, what kind of things they don't like, um, whether you like them or not, uh, whether they dress well, whether they don't dress well, from within that one verse. We, we, make, we do it. We do it. We judge people within seconds. Within seconds. Don't tell me you don't because you do. We all do. But imagine if we stuck around with these people a little bit longer and began to understand the chapter. Because the verse just could be that day that they're in. They're just having a bad day. Well, they're having a great day. Maybe they're overly happy people and you're not comfortable with that either. I don't know. Um, but, that, but are we sticking around with them to understand their, their chapter? What's going on in the season of their life right now? How can we engage with them within that? Because that then helps you understand the verse that you've, you've just experienced if you begin to understand the chapter of their lives of the season, sorry, that they're in. And then let's extend that further. Understand the book of life. Understand who they are. Spend a bit more time with them so that not only can you put the verse into context of the season they're in, which is their chapter, but then you can take the chapter of their life, the season that they're in, and how does that relate to their, their life from beginning to where they are now? And we only begin to understand somebody when we make an attempt to get to know them. When we don't make a judgment call and leave it, and, and as we're reaching out, as, we are, as, we're, as, we're, as we're stepping out and inviting in, uh, as we said at the beginning of the year, stepping out and inviting in is stepping out into other people's lives and inviting them into your life. Yeah, that is an invitation into the church and into church environments and things like that, but primarily it's about inviting them into your life, the maturing Christian, someone who's getting to know God even more, who's growing into Christ. Can we, can we invite ourselves into their life as well, and understand their book. 
Ironically, when I posted this video, the first, this little story I shared at the beginning of the three-minute video, the first comment I had back was, angry face. Angry face. Didn't you stop to help him? That's why I said it at the beginning. That's why I caveated it, because all that's all I thought about is, oh, my goodness, maybe I could have stopped to help him. But the first thing was, rather than, well, that's, thank you, I appreciate that encouragement to see things in the bigger context, it was, I'm going to take the verse and I'm going to comment on the verse. That verse being this short three-minute video that says nothing about who I am, about if I would have, I could have, or I should have. It doesn't say anything about my, my, my chapter, the season that I were in. It doesn't say anything about my life, the kind of person I am. But they, they, they saw the three-minute video, they saw the verse of me, and an and angry face, why didn't you stop to help him? And then the next person commented, it was too long, I couldn't get through it. It's three minutes! And, and, and this person wasn't referring to the whole of the video, he was referring to my story that took a minute and a bit. That person couldn't even be bothered to read the beginning and the end of the verse, they just caught the first word. So within the real world environments that we find ourselves, people do this, and the social media, they do this. Imagine what it would be like as a Christian, somebody who is engaged on social media. You go, I'm going to be encouraging, and I'm not going to assume things about people. I'm just going to like it. I'm going to tell them that it's great. I'm, going to, I'm just going to be that person that's more Christ-like on the internet. What about if the church overtook the internet or social media and actually place ourselves front line and center and go, this can be a place not of arguments and, and, and separation, but of restoration and encouragement. Why don't we do that? Because it's real. It's not going away. The internet is here. Social media is here. People, the kids of today are still using Facebook, regardless of what the news are telling you. Recent statistics, which I sent Pat, which hopefully she's read by now, I don't know. Tell me, yeah, tell me that kids are still using Facebook. They're still engaging with it. They're still using it. That's where they're at. That's where this, this, this generation is at and the generations to come. And we need to be setting in place now something that understands we're only seeing their verse but let me try and encourage them so that they can you know, be successful in their season and their lives can be better for it. We could do that in so many things. You discover somebody's political stance is different from yours. Shock horror, they voted Brexit. Shock horror, they voted Remain. If you discover that about your friend, do you defriend them? I don't mean in a social media aspect. I mean in real life. I would hope not. Because there's obviously a whole chapter and a whole book that speaks to you more about them and about who they are than that one verse of this thing that they did or didn't do or whatever. Because when we're just reading a verse of people, that creates divisiveness. That can create separation. Because we, we've, we've conveniently forgotten what, what the context of that verse is set in and what the book, uh, what the chapter, that, that chapter is, that book it. Let me get straight. What, yeah. We don't let the verse of someone create division. Understand their chapter, understand their book. Not saying be best buds with everyone. But I saw, to take that Brexit and Remain thing of how many years ago it was now, it feels like 600 years since we voted to leave 
Um, people, friends on social media and actually in real life having a go at each other and falling out and families being split over something, yes, which is impactive. I do get that. But as Christians, we should be aiming for a higher level of engagement and connection. And I'm going to leave it at that. Whether you are listening or watching, we hope you enjoyed this message. Please consider giving us a rating on your preferred podcast provider. If you're watching, please hit the subscribe button and click the notification bell so that you never miss another video from Freedom Church.